Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us. On tonight's program, Julia Lee of Berman Invest looks at investing in the year of 2022 and the companies that have reported really well that she likes right now. Then Michael Gable of Fairmont Equities, he looks at the charts to say what he thinks is going on with the ASX 200 going forward, EML, Fortescue, IDP Education, Zero, and Beach Petroleum. And then Adam Dawes of and Partners looks at the stocks that he thinks are in the right zone right now as he also looks at investing over the course of 2022. That's the show. Let's kick off with Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Well, joining us now is Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Hi, Julia. Hi, Pete. How are you doing? Good. Look, I was surprised. Uh, I thought the market was going to go down today after talk about U- Ukraine and war and things like that. How come it went up? Look, I guess the, the market just having a bit of a relief rally um, and focusing in on the US session tonight, we've seen US futures trading higher or during the Australian session. Yeah. So that bodes well uh, for our market tomorrow. And it's going to be a massive day on the Australian share market. This week, if you like, mm. Pete, could be the mining week because we hear from BHP Billiton, Fortescue, Woodside Petroleum, as well as Santos. Now, you mentioned potential war breaking out, and look, that's been great news for oil prices. So we've seen the energy sector on fire today, Woodside Petroleum doing well, Santos doing very well, and Beach Petroleum coming out with its result and uh, beating market expectations. So uh, the shares flying today. Yeah. and. And uh, the financials have been doing pretty well as well. Do you, do you think they'll continue to sneak higher over the year, Julia? It's great to see the banks finally uh, gaining ground. And look, we've now seen six of the banks giving us updates through the reporting season, the last of that being the regional bank, Bendigo and Adelaide. But altogether, it's been a pretty positive one coming through from the banks. Mm. We knew that net interest margins were under pressure, especially as uh, I guess homeowners switch to fixed loans instead of variable loans. But altogether, the cash result and the dividends coming through were a lot stronger than expected. So, look, I suspect the banks will do relatively well as long as we don't see an external shock to the system. Mm. And that's really because they are growing relatively strongly. And usually in a rising interest rate environment, banks manage to reprice their book upwards. Mm. Uh, and that just means they, they manage to get a bit more of a margin or a better margin. So I suspect some of that net interest margins that have been under pressure, we will see a bit of a reversal over the next six to 12 months. And I do think banks are going to outperform this year. Julia, I I seldom get you to talk sort of big picture on where you think the market will go over the next uh, year or so. But do you you have a feeling that, you know, um, despite the fact we're living through sell-offs for tech stocks and fears around inflation and interest rates. Do you think over the course of the year, it may well be seen that the fears about the number of interest rate rises in the US in particular may well be seen to be overdone and then the market will have like a a substantial rebound? 
Look, I think it is prudent at this stage that we do see interest rates rising from the emergency levels that they were set at during COVID because the economy is strong now. We are seeing inflation gaining ground. The jobs market's relatively strong as well. So there's no reason to be keeping those emergency settings. And I think that's good news for the economy as well as companies going forward. What the market is worried about is, I guess, how quickly those interest rate hikes happen um, and the impact they will have on the economy and specifically talking about the US economy here because it does look like they're going to be the first out of the major economies to uh, raise interest rates. So I guess the fear is that perhaps the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates into a, an economy that may already be cooling and given that settings are already at emergency levels that they don't have enough tools in the toolkit to help combat that kind of situation. So that's what markets are nervous about. That's not the base case scenario. Um, the base case scenario is that the Federal Reserve will gradually mm. raise interest rates and that the US economy is strong enough to with, withstand that. So altogether, you know, when we think about cycles and the economic cycles, I think we're midway through the upturn. Um, and it's normal that we see interest rates rising at this point in time. We will see volatility, but I think that's an opportunity for longer term investors who are looking two to four years out to really, uh, I guess, accumulate more stocks on that volatility. Okay, I'll take that as a yes. All right, so <laughs> let's go. Let's go to some stocks that you might like, either because they're reported and you think, Yes, they've reinforced your positivity around them. Or some companies that are to report, but you still think they're going to A, report well, and B, will be good, uh, will, will perform well this year. I guess, first of all, just looking at it from a high level, um, the things that we are most positive in terms of sectors are, are the mining space, the energy space, as well as the financial space. Mm. So that's where the majority of our portfolio is at the moment. We're also exposed to companies where we think they will uh, be at an advantage from rising interest rates. So these are companies like QB Insurance, which has been doing very well throughout the last month, where the investment side of the portfolio will benefit from mm. rising interest rates. Mm. And that's because QB insurance, it collects premiums and then it invests them and it mainly invests it into the bond market, especially US bonds. So as interest rates rise, they're going to get more investment income, which is good news for profitability. And then add into the mix that we are seeing gross and premiums increasing, margins also increasing throughout the globe. And in fact, the global insurance industry is having a good time at the moment. So we like QB insurance as well. On the banking space, you know, where we with the majors, uh, CBA, and we've also got NAB, Commonwealth Bank being the leader in the retail space with home loans, NAB being the leader in the business space. And then we like Bank of Queensland, and that's because Bank of Queensland has been growing about 1.7 times what the system has. So it's got very strong growth coming through. Um, and then we have specific short-term plays as well. I guess uh, just watching that conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine at the moment, and especially the potential for energy security and food security to be in the spotlight. So we're overweight companies like Woodside Petroleum, but we know that Russia has also banned exports of ammonium nitrate over the next two months. Ammonium nitrate is mainly used in fertilizers, but it's also used in explosives. So prices of those two things could uh, have already started to rise. So that's good news for stocks like Instec Pivot, as well as Orica, both stocks that we hold in the portfolio as well. Great stuff, Julia. Um, look forward to talking to you next week. And let's hope this week is a blockbuster week for some of our great companies. I hope so. Watch the mining stocks. We'll do. Thanks, Julia.
Thanks, That's Julia Lee of Birmingham Invest. Well, following on from what Julia Lee said, and before I introduce Mike Gable of Fairmont Equities, I want to talk about something really important. A lot of people are spooked about rising interest rates killing off the stock market uh, boom, the rally. But this chart here actually shows you that historically, when rates start to rise, these are rate height cycles, that's when it starts, that's when it ends, through this one here, 1994 to 1995. In actual fact, stock markets rise. 16.3% for the Dow Jones, 13.8% for the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ up 18%. You can see all the ones that are green are periods where rate hikes did not hurt the stock market. In fact, for the long one from 2008 to 2019, the gain for the Dow Jones was 213%, uh, the S&P 500 243%, and the NASDAQ up 442 whopping percent. So. There was one bad one, but there was only a small bad one, and that was um, 1999 to 2001, and that was a dot-com bust in the US, and that's, I think, kind of derailed the fact that when you get rising interest rates, you also get a rising stock market. And the reason is the economy is actually going really well, and that's why the central banks want to raise interest rates. Eventually, interest rates will kill off a boom and kill off a stock market uh, rally, but I don't see this necessarily happening this year. So this... All the sell-off we're seeing right now about interest rates and inflation, I think it could easily dissipate over the course of this year and the stock market starts to rally again. History is on our side. Well, it's time to catch up with Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities about a number of stocks that are in the news and also with the, the sell-offs that have been around lately and all the threats from interest rates, inflation, even now a, p a potential war in the Ukraine, it'd be good to see what the market is telling, Mike, about the future of the index itself. Great to see you, mate. Yeah, good to be back, Peter. Yeah, so let's kick off with the overall market, the ASX 200. Yeah. What are the charts telling you? Yeah, look, when we last spoke, Peter, um, the market was in that, that range where the lower band was at around 7,200 and we spoke about that being a key level. So as we could see, the market in the last few weeks has broken under that level. Um, I'm actually quite surprised that we've managed in the last few days to get back above it. So yeah. our market's showing... More strength um, than the US market. Exactly, for mm. once, for once. Yeah. And, um, and that's because, as we know, we've got a lot of resources, we have energy stocks, our banks are, are fairly well supported. So mm. the market seems to be hanging around that 7,200 region at the moment, um, again, if we could sort of, if we do break under that again, that that would be um, a negative. Mm. Uh, when I look at the U.S. markets, I mean the S&P 500 in particular is looking fairly weak. The last couple of days mm. were a little bit of a concern. So if it goes back to retest those January lows, it really does need to stay on top. So ultimately, there's I guess there's two main ways I think this can play out. So even if the market is bullish from here, I think it still needs to use up a bit more time. So in terms of the chart, I think it needs to move to the right a bit more. I'm not expecting a, a very large move to the upside from here. That would be mm. quite unusual. I think yeah. at best we move sideways for a while and that tells us that the market is absorbing what's happening with rates and, and mm. Russia and the Ukraine, etc. Um, at worst, of course, it, it just lets go and and we get a capitulation because that move that we had at the end of January, in my opinion, 
wasn't a capitulation. There were enough people there looking at that move and saying, oh, it's time to buy the dip again. Yeah, buy the dip, yeah. So exactly. that's, that's not a proper capitulation. Yeah. So they're basically the, the two scenarios. We either, and I think we'll know over the next week if we're going to get one of these sharp moves down or mm. if we continue to hang hang on and move sideways, uh, that, that's a good basis. I, I suspect, uh, Mike, that the market is waiting for March, the Fed, do they kick off with a half a percent rise or a quarter percent rise? And what kind of dialogue they're going to hear over that period of time? So I, I, I agree. I, I can't see this market just turning around and going up. Yeah. There's too many unanswered questions. And I must admit, I, I, I have mentioned this before, that I thought that we had a chance to do better than the US market this year for the reasons you pointed out, the mm. resources, financials and energy are three areas that the market seems to like for 2022 and we're strong yeah. there so it should be good for our index yeah. but uh, do you basically agree with the possibility that our market just might do better we've done better yeah. than the yanks before haven't we yeah that's right i think the odds are i agree that we do better because i still see resources as being one of those um, sort of better sectors to be in yeah resilient for this, yeah, yeah. For, for this year um, what would make us wrong? I think what would happen is if the US Fed completely changes tact in terms of rate rises, I'm not sure what would cause this, but for example, you know, the market's pricing in, I think it's four rate rises in the US or five or whatever the number yeah, is, something yeah, like so, that. Somewhere between seven, so, you're probably between five and seven. Yeah, so yeah. if so, if that number was to come down substantially for whatever reason. Well, inflation not being as big a threat. Would exactly, be the or yeah. some other shock to the system that, yeah makes the Fed decide that they need to continue on with stimulus, mm. then those tech stocks will go off. And yeah. if we think back to the end of 2018, that was the last time the market had a bit of a you know, pullback mm. on rate rise concerns. Mm. Um, and then when the Fed turned around, I think it was around Christmas Eve mm. at the end of 2018. Donald Trump was terrorising Jerome yeah. Powell at the time, wasn't <laughs> that's, he? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and, the, and the, basically the US Fed said, look, instead of raising rates, we're actually going to start cutting. Yeah. And the market took off. So that could lead to the US doing better than us yep. us this year, but I yep. think the odds are that we actually have a better year than the US. Yeah, but of course, in your scenario, alternative scenario, we'd both be going up, but America, through tech stocks, would probably outpace us. But yep. I think I'd be happy with a 10% gain this year. Yeah. Right, let's go to our next the company, and these are the ones I've put forward, and we'll finish off with one that you want to have a look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, EML, EML yep. payments. What, what are you seeing with the chart there? Um, so unfortunately, this one's not doing anything too exciting. We had the big drop in May. It tried to rally. Um, what I'm just trying to show here with this line is that it, it is putting in these, these lower highs. So at the moment, we are seeing a lot of selling come in every time it does try to rally. So mm. there was a bit of a rally. I mean, a very nice rally in November, if you caught that. Mm. But it just didn't follow through. And we can see even recently, it's, um, it's encountered a bit of selling. So at the moment, I just think this one will continue to base um you know if you like the business keep it on the watch list i just think it's too early yeah. to be buying this it seems to me it, it suffers the same kind of thing that tyro's guys that their payments and their tech mm. and and both sectors aren't in favor at the moment yep. so yeah but I, I do know i think uh EML did get a very uh, positive report from UBS or one of those as well, which is sorted out. But still, I, I wanted to see what the charts were telling you of EML. Let's go to uh, Fortescue now, FMG. Yep. Um, they've, they've, they've recovered from where they were, say, four or five months ago. Yeah. But what's the, the future looking like? Yeah, I still like this one. This is 
you know, we've got pretty, clients, pretty, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we're happy to still hold this. So just to go through what we've seen here, obviously that big decline, um, August, September, um, I think we looked at the chart at the time and also had another indicator at the bottom, which was the momentum, mm. um, which started to trend higher before the stock even hit its lows, which yeah. was the initial um, sign to say, hey, let's keep an eye on this one. Yeah. Um, but I often mention I like watching stocks that start to develop a tight range because when they break out of that range, you get a nice move. So we saw that with Fortescue in November and ever since then, it's been trading very sustainably. So it makes a bit of a move. It consolidates another move, consolidation mm. uh, and moving again. So I know that a lot of people are talking about um, when the Beijing Olympics are over, yes. I, they're going to start turning things back on and yeah. iron ore should do well. But but back here in November, December, when we were suspecting that, that was the time. I think mm. now it's already taken most of the move. Yeah. So look, I'm happy. They're bored on the rumour. Yeah, yeah, so we need to see what really happens over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Look, happy to hold Fortescue. I think buying it here, it's getting close to that peak in, uh, in, yeah. in 2020. We have to remember iron ore prices were... Yeah. were fairly high back then. So this is, for me, a hold, um, probably a bit late to buy. Yeah, and it seems to me the only way that's going to keep going up is if we go back to that Fed story. If they don't yeah. raise interest rates very hard, the global economy actually does better yeah. than expected. There's no more Omicron-type threats. It's like the perfect scenario, isn't it? Yeah. But that would actually create another opportunity for iron yeah. ore um, miners. Let's go now to IEL. That's uh, IDP Education, isn't mm. it? Now, I know some of my... Uh, expert uh, commentators think that you know, they're, they're going to benefit from you know, the opening up and all that sort of stuff. But what are the yeah. charts saying? I think I think a lot of that benefits already in fact priced in. in. I think yeah. I think the market's already sort of moved, anticipating that because as we could see, nice rise. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's you know this this is only a, this, this chart only goes back about ten months. But if I was to have a, a longer term chart, you'll mm. see that it's actually done really really well. Um, mm. But as we could see, not, not doing too well across November, December. What I've circled here, Peter, is where they had their recent recent results. So mm. for me, that's always a bit of a tell. Mm. Um, results last week looked pretty good. We had, um, of the analysts covering it, you know, they've, they've sort of adjusted their price targets slightly. But I think of the major brokers covering this stock, um, they've got price targets about 30% higher than where it is. Yeah. So good result, but price action is what I've circled is quite negative. So it's sort of run up mm. into the result and been sold down. So for me, that's just a warning sign that, you know, the market's saying one thing compared to the analysts. So I think this one will get cheaper mm. um, and then we could take it from there. So, yeah, I had a bit of a pop on the uh, reopening of the international borders, but I think that's more of a tourism thing than, than, than a student thing. Yeah. Um, but I just don't like the way it's traded based yeah. based on those results. So it'll probably get cheaper, I think, from here. Yeah. And remember, it is possible that sometimes you know, my experts who like a stock, it could be because they, they actually have bought it and they still like it, mm. but you know, they've got the best price. A any game from here might not be all that good because you know, there's, there's a top there that's really come off. Some people you know, thought it was a good reason to sell off once it got to that level. Yeah, that's that's right. And you know, if you're if your guys are buying it at ten dollars, then you know they're still sitting pretty. But mm. yeah, it depends on the entry point. Okay, let's go to zero. Now, zero is a tech stock, and I reckon yeah. some tech stocks. Well, there's a differentiation in America. They're buying Microsoft, but they're mm. selling all the other ones. Um, what about zero? The zero fit that bill. I, I like as a company, but yeah. what are the charts saying to you? 
it is it is struggling, but but yeah, you make an interesting point because there's there's tech stocks and there's tech stocks. There's tech stocks making money, yeah. and tech stocks with the promise that they'll do something in a hundred years from now. So <laughs> zero is one Bit of, of exaggeration. Yeah. hundred years, but yeah. go on. But zero is one of those businesses that that we know turned profitable. I think about a year or two ago. Yeah. So look, I like the business. It is one that I'm out of now mm. because of everything that's happening. Yeah. And I think when we looked at it. Um, in the last quarter of last year, we, we noted this, um, what we call an ascending triangle, where you've got these higher lows, which mm. is good, a lot of buying support, but then a very clear ceiling that it just needed to break through. And unfortunately, just yeah. couldn't quite do it yeah. um, because of everything happening with yeah. rates. Well, so that was, is, and that was also like the big tech sell from the US, yeah. where all companies so are it down. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see zero you know, back under $100, maybe closer to 90 It's really mm. hard to say. Mm. Um, it's on my watch list. Yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to buy when all of this is over. Yeah. Um, I like the business, but I think for the moment, the risk is still to the downside. And so what, what you're seeing there is, is it's hitting bottoms and it's going up. It's too early to say that a bottom has been um, formed. And that's why yeah. you're saying it could actually go into the 90s. And I guess that would be in the context of if there's another big US tech sell-off, mm. probably linked to interest rates, an interest rate story, yep. then zero could easily go into the 90s. But then you might be willing to press the then button. be stepping in. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. that's correct. So any rallies are just <coughs> failing to follow through because the buyers are stepping up, uh, sorry, the sellers are stepping up to yeah. the plate. So it's definitely one on the watch yeah. list. Personally, when it comes to, to me and good companies like this when it sells off, I do like to see a five or seven percent rebound off the bottom before I start, mm. you know, saying here's the worst might be over. You still can be wrong, but yeah. five or seven percent is usually a pretty good yeah, um, I agree. Uh, leader. Let's go to the final one now. This is the one that you've picked out, and that's Beach Petroleum BPT. Yep. So there's a lot of talk uh, about oil stocks at the moment. We yeah. looked at um, Woodside uh, when we last spoke a few weeks ago. You recommended Woodside, did? You asked me to look at it, and, uh, yeah, and I said I, I recommend I, it. I was hoping you. <laughs> yeah, but I, I said I said to you uh, if you hadn't mentioned it, I would have brought it to everyone's yeah. attention anyway because mm. it was one that we we're buying yeah. in early January. Yeah. Um, same with Beach. The problem at the moment is everyone's talking one hundred dollar oil and yeah. you know, yeah. Russia Ukraine. So we might have a lot of it already factored in in terms of the upside mm. um, with oil. But I think with Beach, when I look at the chart. There's still enough upside that I reckon anyone out there who wants to have a bit of a trade can mm. have a go at it. So similar profile to to Woodside where we had this sort of decline across last year, mm. started to form a base, had a break, um, took out the September-October high. So again, I've, I always view that as very significant. If you can get through a previous peak, it just means that, that all the... That peak was around November you're, you're talking about? Um, around September, October. So we could right. see that it spent a few weeks right. around, okay. you know, really struggling to get through $1.50. Yeah, so, in that, so that means there's people out there buying at $1.50 yeah. and, uh, and basically we're losing from day one. So yeah. as soon as they get their money back, they're selling. Um, and that's what caused it to stop going up a little bit last mm. week. Mm. But it managed to overcome that. Yeah. And, uh, and I think this one's going to head back up towards the, the high $1 region. So I think there's a bit of bit of a move there. But again, the caveat, you know, these energy stocks, they're trades. You can't you can't hold them for 10 years and, no. uh, you know, hope that, that well, you're going to Well, do tell really me well. when I should sell my Woodside um, stocks. You can't even I'll play them, you know. but it's probably about getting close. Yeah, I, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the next week or two I'd be 
selling out of these. I think they're, they're going for one big move and then yeah. that's it. The, the problem with Woodside is it, it actually pays a dividend. So there are a lot of people who hold it them. It can be tempting to yes, keep right. it. Yeah. But by holding the dividend, you might cop the, the loss of growth when the market sells off. Yeah. Well, uh, Mike, that's um, very interesting analysis. Um, I think our conversation basically is implying that we're kind of in the hands of the Fed on interest rate um, developments over the next yeah. few months. But I guess if, it, if inflation starts to fall, the best case scenarios will prevail. If it doesn't, maybe the worst case. That's right. Yeah. That's Mike Gable, Femi Equities. My next guest is Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Adam, great to see you. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. It's fantastic and uh, looking forward to a really good 2022. That's the kind of positivity I love to hear, mate. I love to hear. Let's try and uh, let's try and prove that you're not off with the pixies and clearly smoking something you shouldn't be smoking because uh, a lot of uh, our viewers would be wondering whether they can believe that uh, story. It's a story which I believe. What do you think are the strongest reasons to believe that the sell-offs that we're seeing now will eventually turn around and the, and the market will be bought again. Yeah, look, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, the, I think I've been talking to clients and really talking about a mid-cycle correction. I think that's what we're in at the moment. We're certainly one of those ones where you, you look at it and you think, uh, you know, economy's done well. There's certainly the economy's roaring back to life. Consumer business demand is continuing to boom. Soaring jobs growth is now translating into higher wages or potentially higher wages. It's going to come soon. Mm. And then competition for labour intensifies as well. So, you know, we're starting to see that higher wages obviously eat into profit margins. And that's why we're sort of talking about this inflation and interest rate rises going forward. But with the market, you know, fell by about sort of 6% in January, it's, it's what I'm calling a mid-cycle correction. We've already had our, you know, fall March 2020 it's now come back back higher and now we're going to see some more volatility around these levels before then we start to move again. But certainly it's all going to be about uh, inflation and about interest rates going forward. Mm. So if the Fed starts off March and goes with a half a percent rise, do you think that would probably spook the market uh, for a short time at least? Short time, yes, but I think longer term, I think it's going to be okay. It, it, it's really about how aggressive interest rate rises are going to be, one in the US and then one here in Australia. Mm. There is talk that the interest rates in the US are going to rise seven times this year. Mm. So basically every Fed meeting that comes out, they're going to raise interest rates by half a basis point. Mm. So that's a fair, fairly aggressive stance. And, going I, and I don't believe that. Um, I do not believe it for one moment. Yeah, so the dot plot agrees with you, Peter. I think that that that, that doesn't look going to be that crazy, mm. but that you know, and and then potentially if if the if the Fed don't raise that quickly, then that's going to be good for markets. Mm. Here in Australia, uh, they're talking about a fifty point uh, point basis rise in August, and I think that's very very. Uh, substantial and uh, unlikely not dr phil like, i cannot see phil capitulating to bill evans and doing that if i was phil even to some principle i wouldn't give in to bill yeah fair call <laughs> fair call uh so look it, it, it's really about the aggressiveness of that and you know rising wages i think is the, going to be the key for investors yeah. is to see you know we haven't seen wage growth in years and it's been anemic going forward 
but rising wages and raw material prices forces companies to lift their prices. And that means higher inflation, and that means the RBA is going to be under pressure to actually do something going forward. So if the RBA moves faster than the market expects, the equity bull market will end abruptly. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't think Phil Lowe really wants to do that. Um, 2023, he might have to, but 2022, I think he needs to see growth. And the government does as well. Growth brings taxes and helps pay, pay down the budget. So, and also, I think one part of the equation a lot of people leave out, and this is, this is a, a keep your fingers crossed type thing, Adam. Um, if Omicron dissipates and the supply chain problems become less of a problem, then inflation mm. starts to fall. And that means they mm. don't have to raise interest rates as rapidly. So that's the one thing I'm going to be watching is how, how is Omicron's dissipation, if it does, uh, and it looks like it is, how's that going to affect yeah. inflation? And if inflation starts coming off the boil by the middle of the year, I tell you what, a lot of this negativity around too many interest rate rises, that will change. Yeah, well, look, the, the inflation number, you know, is, is obviously stubbornly high at the moment, but it's a seasonally adjusted number too. So it does uh, be, become a little bit hard to read on a, on a yearly basis. But also that, that inflation number has never been near that band of sort of 2 to 3% where it should, should be sitting nicely. Mm. So that's been a real problem for the RBA as well, is getting that number right and getting it back into that band where they're comfortable. Yeah. Also, a lot of people forget that before all of these uh, pandemic problems, we couldn't get inflation. And that's because yeah. we're living in a digital disruption world. So if anyone starts trying to, to raise prices r ridiculously aggressively, along comes a digital business that will eat their lunch. Yeah, and, and, and also I think, you know, we, we, they talked a lot about transitory, you know, mm. but um, it, it hasn't been that transitory as far as that. You, you look at uh, the, the inflation number and, you know, uh, new cars, it's still six months away till you get a new car. Mm. The used car market's still there. Petrol prices are over two bucks. Um, meat and veg is uh, starting to rise as well. So, you know, most people, and, you know, they don't really understand what inflation means, but they can see it in their petrol prices. They can see it in their fruit and veg. And I think that's where the, it's going to hurt the, the back pocket of, uh, of, of the normal public yeah. and investors. So you're starting to sound like a journalist now, mate, scaring the pants off people. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go and talk about the stocks that you think look good uh, going forward. Yeah, so I've picked three stocks today for, for the viewers. Um, the first one is Qantas. Mm. I know it's had a terrible, terrible couple of years and it's been a tough one. And I, I sort of fairly negative on the on the transport sector as a whole uh, due, due to the fact that it's, it's quite a high uh, asset. Um, it takes a lot of people to get you on that plane. Mm. But I was uh, I took the I took a plane ride this uh, last week for the first time in two years. And let me tell you, these planes are absolutely jam-packed. Mm. There is not a free seat on any of the flights up to Queensland where I went for, for a conference. Uh, and even the airport, a little bit quiet, but look, gee, there was a lot of people still milling around. But there's a couple of things. Domestic travel, obviously, a big thing for Qantas, and I think that's going to do well. But look, the stock has been beaten around, but they've come out of it. They've, they've reduced costs. Their labour their, their figures are okay. Oil is probably a bit of a concern for that input costs. But really, they've left Virgin pretty battered and bruised. Mm. So I'm, I'm thinking Qantas is a good value play here at the moment. Yeah. Okay. It's your first. What's your second? Uh, QBE. Mm. Uh, now, um, you know, I, again, I've been it, 
it, it, insurance is tough. Mm. Insurance is a tough space, and it's certainly one of those ones that it, it, it has been tough. And I struggle sometimes because of all of the natural disasters that are out there. But QBE does look good on the charts. QBE does have a lot going for it at the moment. Management is sort of really picking themselves up, and and I think there's value there. And you know, certainly, I think QBE is one that I really, really like. And the last one is Horizon. A Z J. I think that one uh, looks really good. The income is fairly fairly stable on that. Coal is one of those things that is on the nose. But if you actually look at a coal chart lately, that coal price has really started to move north, and I think that will do bode well for Horizon going forward. They made a big acquisition last year to diversify their overall um, haulage, mm. and I think that's going to work well for them well there as well. So. Uh, a rise in, in the big cap space for that income going forward, I think it's it's a good play mm. for value. So it's still a good dividend stock, Horizon? Yeah, the dividend did get crimped a little bit on the last half, but I think with the coal prices where they are, they should be able to get a premium for that, and plus the haulage numbers should be fairly good, so that dividend will be uh, very stable okay. at the moment. Adam Dawes, thanks for joining us. Talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, Peter. As Adam Dawes of Shore & Partners. And that was Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners. If you want to know more about what we do here, have a look at the Switzer Report at switzerreport.com.au. And that's where we have a lot of other people who aren't on the show who are experts at analysing companies. And some of their uh, tips of 2021 have done very, very well, as they've done over the past 10 years or so since the Switzer Report's been up and running. So once again, thanks for joining us. Talk to you on Thursday night.